Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hi, y'all. This is Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Jimmy Warren. Hey, everybody. Jimmy Warren here. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. You know, before we get into this episode, um, I got a little of a bit of an announcement to make for uh, November. You know what? We launched this podcast in uh, July 1st. My first guest was Mark Goldenberg, who played guitar for Willie Nelson and Jackson Brown and Bonnie Raitt and Linda Ronstadt and a ton of others. And since then, this is <laughs> this week is our 15th episode and we're over 100,000 listeners. And so we want to thank you for that. This has been just a remarkable time. And so in November, we're going to try something new just for the month of November, just to test out. And that is we're going to add another day. Right now, we're doing shows that release on Wednesdays at 3 o'clock Central Time. We're going to add another one that's going to release on Sundays at 5 o'clock Central Time. We'll do that all through the month of November. We're going to see how it works out. And if it does, who knows, we might just go to that permanently after the first of the year. Just really depends because we've got a lot of great guests. Well, look, at, we've already got the entire year of 2020 booked. We've got every episode spoken for through the entire year. And we've already got great people coming on the uh, 2021. Look at 2021 got Orianthi, uh, Lee Rittenauer, Kurt Fletcher. Uh, Matt Schofield, Ariel Posen, just a ton of great George Lynch. Oh, my God. A lot of great players that are coming on in 2021. Uh, we still got the guitarists from the Georgia Thunderbolts, from uh, Blacktop Mojo, from East of Eden. Oh, God, my head's spinning. I got I to gotta get some oxygen. <laughs> it's going to be a great rest of the year and next year, too. So, uh you know, this is going to help you get through this whole COVID thing. Something to check. If you're a guitar player, man, you just got something to help you get through. And that's guitar talk with me, Jimmy Warren. <laughs> so, uh, but today we got a great episode for you. You know, my guest is Bernie Charvelli. He plays guitar for Michael McDonald. Uh, Bernie is an, a great guitar player. He's uh, an amazing songwriter and composer. He's a good producer. He can play multiple instruments. He is well-rounded. He is a well-rounded, talented um, musician and artist. He's got several projects that he's released on his own. Uh, he's co-written songs with Michael, of course. And um, he's somebody that if you don't know a whole lot about, you really should be. And, you know, you should be familiar with him because he's uh, very talented, very talented. So today, you know what, just kick back, you know, pour yourself a, a cool one, whatever that cool one may be, maybe grab a snack. I don't know about you, but I got to have my guitar in my lap, you know, just to, you know, fiddle around with a little bit as I, as I, you know, do things and listen to things and that. And check it out. Here he is, Bernie Charvelli. Everybody kind of has a, a story, Bernie, of how they, they got started. And so I'm just kind of curious you know, as to what your story is. How did you come to, you know, pick up the guitar and, you know, who influenced you in the early days and, uh, and that? Well, uh, you know, I've been around a while. I've been, you know, I, I, I was a kid in the sixties and, uh, like a lot of musicians from my era, you know, we were, I, my first, I mean, I, I guitar was from the first time I saw the Beatles. Um, 
on Ed Sullivan. I mean, that's pretty cliche, but that's, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, I mean, I originally wanted to be a drummer. I was more, I was more, uh, attracted to drums when I first saw the Beatles and, uh, I'd already was playing piano. My, my parents had me taking piano lessons, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't budge on the drums. So I said, okay, how about a guitar? <laughs> so that's, that's my parents bought me my first guitar. Um, I think it was an, uh, I think it was a Philco electric guitar that came with a record player. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And it had a little jack in the side of it and you could plug right into the, right into the turntable and play along and your guitar came out of the speakers with the music. So that was like a, such a great way for me to start. So, you know, I was woodshedding on Beatles, you know, Buffalo Springfield, the birds, uh, Rolling Stones, you know, anything that was basically mainstream rock back then is really what I started out on. Yeah. So you were taking piano lessons. Did you end up taking guitar lessons? Are, are you musically trained? In, I know you play multiple yeah. instruments, so. No, um, no, I, I've never taken a guitar lesson. Um, I've, I've been really fortunate to meet musicians through the years that really showed me a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, I started out with basic rock and, you know, California rock kind of stuff, Beatles stuff. And then I started getting into R&B and black music. Uh, and some of the musicians I played that were more in that genre really showed me some a whole new way of playing guitar. Uh, especially chords and scales, I started to learn from players that I played with in bands. But proper lessons, no, never have. Um, I kind of regret it, and I kind of don't. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So, where 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 did you uh, grow up at? Where what part of the country were you in in those days? Um, Northern California, okay. um, Marin County, to be more specific, um, which was had a really burgeoning music scene there. Um, yeah, Marin County, San Francisco, that whole area is where I grew up. Yeah. And so I take it you were probably maybe in some bands when you were younger and just kind of felt... Oh, yeah. did, did Did you ever think in those days that, you know, you were going to go on to, you know, play, you know, have a career like you have? Or, or is it something you set out to do? Um, I, I always wanted to do this professionally. I always wanted... I mean, I, I was really, uh, you know, being a guitar player, I've always, you know, I've always thought of myself as more of a songwriter than a guitar player, um, although uh, that's changed over the years. But uh, back then, I considered myself more of a songwriter. And, yeah, we, we started bands, and I always had this dream in my head of, you know, quote-unquote, making it big. But, you know, as a songwriter and as an artist, not really as a guitar player so much, as years went by, that that reality changed, and for the better. But uh, yeah, I always knew this is all I ever wanted to do was was play music. Yeah. So was was there ever like the, a specific aha moment, or was, uh, or was it just something that just over time you just knew? I think it's just I just always knew this is what yeah. I wanted to do. I mean, I couldn't, I I, I didn't see any other direction for myself. <laughs> um, I just couldn't see myself doing anything else other than playing music. So, um, you know, one step leads to another, but that's really, I was pretty determined from a pretty young age. Yeah. 
So I, I, I know you said that uh, your, you know, your parents had you take piano lessons. What, did you come from a musical family? Um, not necessarily. I mean, no. I mean, my mom tinkled on the piano when she was younger. Um, my dad played music and band when he was in school, but no, neither of my brothers, although my younger brother does play guitar really well. Um, he doesn't do it professionally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so no, my parents weren't musicians, so to speak. Yeah. So, so what happened the, the day that you told them, well, I'm going to be a guitar player. Well, uh, I, you know, I don't know if there was ever a moment that I told them that, but I remember my mom telling me, you know, some years back after I got the gig with Mike and stuff, she, you know, she, how proud she was. And she actually said to me, you know, I was a little concerned because whatever you were doing in your bedroom didn't sound that great. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I think they were concerned, you know, about me doing it professionally because, you know, we don't. I wasn't a prodigy by any means, so you know, it took a while for me to get good enough to do it. You know, so yeah, so yeah, it was a gradual thing. Well, you know, one thing that I notice about about your playing and about you is what what I, you know, it comes across to me is that you're you're kind of like well rounded. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like you approach the guitar really from the perspective of the song as opposed to, you know, just the guitar parts. Is it- yeah. Thank, thanks for noticing that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that's really going back to what I was saying before that I, I've always thought of myself as a song craftsman over a guitar player. So yeah, I, I think that's the way I approach music. I'm, I try to respect the song and try to not cloud it up and listen to what it needs, you know? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I know you've been with Michael for, for, you know, what, 30, 30 years or so? Uh, this is 32 years in, in next month will we, yeah, I've been with him. Well, Although this year, this year's kind of a wash. Yeah. But, but yeah, but I, if you count the years, yes, I've, I've known him a little, almost about 33 years and I've been in his band for 32. Yeah. So, so was Michael the first person that you hooked up with on a national level or, or were you playing with others prior to that? Um, uh, the only person I really played with before Michael was David Pack of Ambrosia. Um, David was the one that actually introduced me to Mike and got me an audition because David was playing with Mike at the time. And David was going to pursue his solo career because he had left Ambrosia. And so I was playing with David a lot. Um, as a matter of fact, I almost ended up in his band, but then Mike's thing came along. But no, as far as touring... Really, Mike is the biggest thing I've done besides, you know, I did tour with Ambrosia a little bit um, and stuff here and there, but no, Mike is, is really the really the only major artist I've, I've toured with. Yeah, well, you seem to make a, a rather, you know, successful career out of it, you know. He's a great, well, great talent. Well, I, 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 I tried to make, I, I, love, I love Michael as a friend so much and I respect him so much as an artist and we developed a like a songwriting thing too. And it just felt right. And I didn't really want to be out on the road with something I don't want to do, didn't want to do. And Mike always seemed to want me. I mean, the other cool thing I got to do was, is tour with the Doobie brothers one summer. Yeah. Um, when Mike, when Mike reunited with them and I don't know, I've just let, I've always made it myself available to Mike. Um, and thankfully he's always called me. So, yeah, that's, that's really good. Cool. Were you a part of uh, 
the tour that he did with Boss Gags and Steely Dan? No, that was that was basically Steely Dan. Okay, uh, was the backup band. So he probably uh, had John Harrington. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. John and Freddie Washington on bass, and yeah. uh, Shannon Forrest on drums, and it, it was basically Steely Dan. That was the house band. I got it. I got it. Great, great band. Yeah. So, what were some of the things that you uh, that you think that you learned growing up playing guitar that that helped you? when it come time to uh, step into the, the role of playing guitar for Michael? Well, again, I think my fortune of meeting these great musicians along the way, especially when I, when I moved to a place called Nevada, California, there was a, a real R&B scene there. And I really hadn't been exposed to R&B musicians other than what I heard on the radio. And these guys we're really into Stevie Wonder and, and Sly and the Family Stone and, you know, that whole genre. And they, uh, this one guitar player, a couple guitar players, uh, Bill Burgess was his guitar player, um, and, and Peter Monu. Um, these guys were both more from a jazz background. And when I started playing and hanging out with them, they would start to show me different ways of playing chords and, it, that just really opened my mind up to, to a different way of playing. And, and of course, uh, that, you know, Mike's music kind of falls in that same genre, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So that stuff that I learned from those guys and that scene really, really came in handy for, for, for with Mike. And I, you know, I applied it to my own style too. I mean, I love that kind of stuff. So I started writing sort of more R and B stuff. So mm-hmm. that stuff really came in handy for me later on. Yeah. So uh, what do you think uh, young players, you know, guys that are either just starting out or, you know, at the beginning stages of, of playing guitar, what kind of things do you think that they should focus on if they want to someday, you know, kind of follow in the footsteps of a player like yourself? Well, uh, you know, there's no one way, of course, but I, I think for me, I I think it's good if, you, if you've got any writing and creative side of yourself, pursue that. These days, I mean, we've got so much great software at our, at our disposal. I mean, get yourself a laptop and, you know, get a mini version of Pro Tools or Cubase or whatever you want to use. and Get into writing and, and tracking and, and, and playing and playing along to yourself and, and, and study music that you love and learn it, you know. Um, just Just be it get into it and, and just really learn it. Um, trial and error is a big thing. You know, it's just like, you're not going to be great right off or maybe you will be, but it takes practice, you know, practice a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be uh, the common theme of this thing. <laughs> yeah. When you were yeah. young, when you were young, did you, did you like always have the guitar in your hand? Were you always practicing and playing? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, I, I still, you know, I still, did what kids do, teenagers, you know, but I was always pretty focused on getting the band together and rehearsing and learning songs and working up a show. Um, I, I think I drove people crazy sometimes because I was so, uh, you know, I just, I just want, wanted us to get good and get, you know, and be professional and not everybody had that same mindset. So I think I frustrated people and it frustrated me when people weren't as serious about it as I was, Yeah, but you know, so, so today, like right now, I mean, do you take time out of your day or out of your week to, 
just really spin, you know, working on new things and practicing and learning new stuff? Or are you just too busy? Uh, I, I make a, a, a practice of recording regularly. Yeah. Um, again, my songwriting uh, fixation or whatever you want to call it, addiction or whatever you want to call it, I, I, I'm always writing something. So when I'm writing something, I, it makes me play. Um, you know, and I love to play bass and I love to play drums and I love to play keyboards. So I'm always exploring different guitar tones. And, and, uh, again, that's why I, I, back to the encouraging kids, it's just like get into recording. Cause that's, to me, that's the basis of it all. If you've got a live scene going on, do that, of course. But, uh, recording is something you control. You're in charge of that domain mm-hmm. and you, and I learned tons from it to this day. Really do. Yeah, I think it's a good way to uh, to kind of get an accurate assessment of where you are too. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. You, you can be your your best critique in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, what players, you know, today, you know, would you say inspire and influence you? Uh, oh, you mean uh, like contemporary musicians, or just just just. General? Just in guitar players in general. What guitar players today? You oh, know? There's so many, so yeah. many. But um, <laughs> I've been really, I've been really uh, rediscovering Stephen Stills. Um, I've always loved his playing back in Buffalo Springfield and into Crosby, Stills and Nash and his solo records. Um, and I feel like I was really influenced by him. Really, really uh, a lot. And. I've been rediscovering his stuff and I, I find myself kind of trying to emulate his style sometimes playing, playing without a pick, you know, finger picking leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. Um, Steve Lukather is a, is a yeah. huge, huge hero of mine. And I'm really proud to call him a friend. Uh, greatest, one of the, I think the greatest player and really, really cool guy. Um, mm-hmm. Robin Ford is another favorite of mine. Uh, Larry Carlton, uh, Steve Morris from uh, Dixie Dregs, I, I, he's, as a monster. Yeah. Uh, Guy Clark uh, Jr. To these days, I really think is you know coming up in that tradition of playing like stuff. I like hearing real players. Yeah. Uh, Bonamassa, I like I like some of Bonamassa's stuff. I think uh, there's so many great players out yeah. there. So so many. Yeah, that's that's the thing today. There's, I mean, there's always been, you know, it seems there's always been a lot of really great players. You know, and, and a lot of people don't know the players behind the artists. You know, they just see the entertainers, and they don't really know who the musicians are behind it, you know, uh, like yourself, you know, you and guys like Mark Goldenberg and, you know, people like that that, um, you know, some people might not really be familiar with, you know. Yeah. You know, and they don't realize what such great talent there is there. And then when they dive in, they start peeling back that onion and they start listening to your music. And then they realize, wow, you know, this guy's extremely talented. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about your gear. You okay. Know? Um, you know, I know you got, you know, a, a ton of stuff in that. But if I was to show up, if somebody was to show up at, uh, you know, a Michael McDonald show, what would you say would be your typical rig? What type of, you know, what what would be your number one guitar, you know, in that show? Well, um, 
my number one favorite guitar is my 335. It's it's a uh, it's not vintage, but it's uh, I think I got it in 2011. I think uh, from Gibson. Um, that that's probably my number one go to guitar. Uh, another guitar that I'm seen with a lot is my SG. Yeah. It's an SG, which is about the same age, not vintage guitars. Uh, that, uh, that guitar, I probably play more than any other is the SG. Uh, frankly, because around 15 years ago, my back and my shoulders started to kill me. Oh, yeah. And, and I was looking for something lighter and, uh, the SG just made sense. And I found this one at Guitar Center one day. I, you know, uh, just pulled it off the wall and went, this is my guitar. And uh, I probably get more compliments on that guitar than any other playing with Mike. Um, but I, I still think my 335 is my favorite. And these days I've been playing a Duesenberg, um, uh, star player TV model, I guess they call it. Yeah. Which I, which I really like a lot too. Uh, and then a, uh, uh, a Dr. Mojo Telecaster type guitar that's really, really great. I, there's about three, four, five, maybe sometimes six guitars I'll take out with me. Yeah. I thought I noticed on that video you have on your website where you're talking about your gear that you don't take the ES-335 on the road. You got an Epiphone that you take in its place? Um, I actually take I actually take them both sometimes. But, um, yeah, I do. I, I'm, I really, you know, going back to my Beatle nerdy, nerdiness, I, I've got a, actually a few casinos. I've got a 67. And then I bought one of the elitist models uh, that, you know, they make in the U.S., which is a really, really nice guitar. Um, I take that off. Yeah, they're really, really great guitars. I love casinos. Yeah. Um, they're they're a little uh, tweaky when you try to turn them up real loud because of the, uh, you know, exclusive hollow body. But uh, I love them. I love casinos. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, uh, I got one of the Duesenbergs, uh, I don't know, maybe two years ago. I got, huh? I got the, I think it's the Outlaw model. It looks like alligator skin almost, leather. Oh, yeah, my, our bass player has the, uh, the bass uh, model of that. Yeah, that that's a great guitar. Cool. Yeah, they're really great guitars. I, they're really nice people, too. Yeah, well, I don't know the people, but I know, I know the guitar. So, well, I mean, dig, dig this, I, I uh, I was kind of curious about them because a few of my friends played them and I was like, well, those are weird guitars. I don't know what's, what's up with those. And I, I just emailed the guy like cold and just said, you know, do you guys do artist, you know, pricing or whatever? Next thing I know, he's, he's writing me back on, Oh my God, Michael McDonald is like, there's nobody on earth. I love more. <laughs> what, what do you want? You know, next thing I know, I've got a guitar in the mail. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. And I, I'm glad I liked it because, you know, I hate getting free stuff that you don't like. You know, it's like, yeah. it's embarrassing. It's awkward. But I love this, you know, love yeah. this guitar. Yeah. Anyway. Very cool. So, so uh, those are your guitars. Um, uh -huh. I'm going to guess that you're probably going into some sort of Fender. Yes. I, I, I've been alternating between... Um, I mean, believe it or not, you know, I've had different amps. I mean, I've, I've played through Marshalls. I've, I've, I have a Fuchs, yeah. uh, Fuchs head that I really, really like. Um, and but the, the truth of the matter is, a lot of the times, the way 
touring budgets work, sometimes we can't take our own rigs. Yeah. Um, we can take our guitars and our pedals, but you're at the mercy of backline. And I found the most consistent amp when I have to rent is a twin reverb. So I always get a twin reverb with a Marshall four by 12. Um, so that's what I got for myself. I bought a vintage twin reverb and I have a, a Marshall, uh, silver Jubilee cabinet that I've loaded with two, uh, Celestian creambacks, um, which are really, really, really good sounding speakers. I've got two creambacks and then two tone tubbies. Mm. And I usually mic, mic the, the, uh, the, uh, the, to- the, uh, creambacks. Uh, it's just the best sound that I can find. So yeah, I've, I've been using a twin reverb, believe it or not. Uh, the workhorse amp of the industry, really. Yeah, it seems to be a, a pretty common thing that most guys on the road, you know, they're using some form of Fender, whether it's a deluxe or a, a twin, yeah. or, you know, something well, like I, that. I, I have a deluxe, too, and I love my deluxe as well. Yeah. Mike Mike has a deluxe that I swear is the best-sounding deluxe I've ever heard. Yeah. But, you know, he doesn't take it out that much. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I like the uh, I like the Hot Rod DeVille with the 410s. Those are great, too. Yeah. Absolutely. I just love that amp. I don't know the the clean is just so pristine, you know. It's a yes, great, great amp. So they're, they're 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 powerful amps too. I mean, they really uh, they punch. Oh, they yeah. punch. Yeah, yeah, and they're still heavy like all the rest of them. So <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I don't have to lift too much these days, so that's nice. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So I'm sure that in between all that, you probably have a handful. You got a pedal board, I'm sure. You know, I you're, I don't think you're a guy that uses, you know, you're not overkill on it. But what are some uh, what are some main things that you know people would probably see on your board? Well, um, these days I'm using a uh, Lagrange. Uh, I guess it's made by Bogner. Yeah. Uh, distortion pedal. Uh, it's like the goldish yellow one. Uh, that is the best distortion pedal I've heard in a long time. Uh, I use that a lot. Um, I use for, I start with a volume pedal and then a wah-wah. Then, uh, then I go th- into a, uh, a Wampler uh, Ego compressor. Oh, okay. Which are, I really like those because you can, you can blend the, the reel and the compression, uh, it's a, it's a, it really makes for a little more natural sounding compression. Uh, yeah, and then I use for distortion. I use the Lagrange, and then I also use a Wampler uh, Euphoria pedal, which is more of a subtle distortion. Um, it's it's you know for good edgy kind of distorted rhythms, you know. Um, but it can it sounds a little cleany, clean and shiny at the same time. Um, that's for distortion and, and compression. Uh, I'm trying to think. Of, I wish I had a picture of it in front of me. Um, I use a, a Mike likes a tremolo a lot, mm-hmm. so I use, I use a I use a tremolo, a, a Wampler. I've really favored tr- uh, Wamplers these days. I, I really like their stuff. I've mm-hmm. got one of their tremolos. I think I get what they call the tremolo. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right offhand. Yeah, they make good pedals. They do, and then I've got a, a another pedal, the Tape Echo. Oh yeah, that's it, uh, I find that thing to be really, really useful. I use that a lot. I've got a Leslie pedal that for simulating that kind of Leslie tone. Um, 
uh, Corona Chorus by TC Electronic. Because mm-hmm. uh, some of Mike's stuff, um, I keep forgetting, and those old classic 80s stuff had, you know, guitar players were using chorus. So I try to, uh, I try to uh, honor those recordings. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a few of the things I'm using. Very cool. Yeah, I, I like the Wampler pedals. I think they're really good. That tape echo that you were talking about, especially the original one, the first mm. the first edition was really nice. I, I think if I remember correctly, looking at your board, that's the one you had to. I think it is, yeah. They now make one that's got delay and reverb combined, which I'm, kind of intrigues me, but um, I don't use a whole lot of reverb. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I use, a, I've got a, one of those... Uh, Hall of Fame's TC Electronic, but I put just a smidge of reverb. But I'm, I'm not a re- reverb kind of guy. Yeah. Um, it's got to be in its place, I think. Right. I, boy, we share the same sentiments on that. <laughs> yeah. I think you can muddy up your sound too much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I've heard players that use it, and uh, I just kind of like, really? That much? Okay, yeah. whatever. I think it was when I saw... Uh, uh, well, I did an interview with Steve Lukather a few years back, and yeah. he was. We were talking about you know his technique of stacking delays, in order to kind of get that fullness you know that, that you're really looking for you know in the reverb, but without you know mushing up your your tone. Yeah, delay I think does a much nicer thing to guitar. It just yeah it it gives it a it makes it sit in in the music better to me, and it's. Uh, it, like you said, it doesn't muddy it. It more it, it enhances it, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So when you're when you're putting all those things together, you know, when you're getting ready to go out on tour, Mike, you're are you just trying to are you are you trying to chase a specific type of sound, or are you trying to stay really true to the authenticity of the tracks, you know, originally? I'd say a combination of both. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I listen to the originals. Um, but Mike is, he's so great at giving his band freedom because he explores his songs. He changes up the arrangements all the time. Yeah. He's, he's constantly revoicing chords and doing stuff and passing chords. And like a lot of times I'll go, Mike, what's that? And I don't know. I'm just kind of messing around. And, um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a great environment for, for feeling there's no, there's no stifleness in Mike's band at all. Everybody, you know, he allows everybody to create and be themselves. By the same token, we all respect his music and try to be. I mean, I, I remember we were doing. Uh, I keep forgetting um, at a certain part of the, a certain version of the band where the tempo got really slowed down for some reason. I don't know what happened. Just gradually, it got really slow. And I went back and listened to the original version with Picaro and, and Lukather, and it was. Gosh, it was yeah, ten ticks faster. And I went back to Mike and said, "Mike, check out the record." And now we're doing it back like the record. So uh, there's some great things to both both worlds, you know. Try to respect respect the song, but also make it new. So when people come hear you, they don't want to hear just the records. They want to hear the songs. They want, they want to hear something a little different, you know, different right. take on it. Right. At least I, I do, at least. Right. No, I, I completely, I completely agree. You know, when you go into the studio or, you know, when you're recording, are you using your analog gear or are you using, um, you know, some of the guitar amps and pedals and stuff in plugins like through UA and, you know, yeah. and stuff like I, that? 
Yeah, that that's a good question. Yes, I I use both. I've, I've actually been favoring more plugins these days. I mean, yeah. like you said, UA, their their Plexi uh, lead amp and their their Silver Jubilee and mm-hmm. their their Fuchs. Um, yeah. There's a Sur amp on there and uh, Buxom. Uh, what do you call a Friedman? There there's so many varieties of sound and they're dialed in. Yeah, you know, um, and it's so darn convenient. Um, I still love Mike and an amp and getting that whole thing. Um, but when I'm working and I'm writing a song or working for somebody else, it's just so much more quicker and efficient to grab one of these these models. And um, and then, you know, after you record with them, you can do even more with them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love plug-in amps. I really do. They're, yeah. they're, they've really gotten good. Yeah. I, I have uh, – I'm like you. I have the Fuchs uh, Overdrive amp yes and uh i discovered that plug-in not that long ago because i'd been using the plexi that was on there uh that was really the the go-to one that i was using through ua and i discovered yeah. uh you know andy's uh plug-in for the overdrive and boy they got some some presets in there that are just really really nice gnarly and yeah. and i you know i own a fuchs yeah that thing sounds i swear they really nailed it. Yeah. They really got it. They really did it. I mean, I've heard Andy say, yeah, they did. They got it. So, yeah, yeah that's I, – I love I, – I, you know, I hope Andy doesn't mind, but I use the plug-in version more than I use the, the live amp for, for recording. It's just so much more convenient. Yeah, they've made it pretty easy. <laughs> it does. Yeah, and you don't have to – you don't have to disturb the rest of the house if you want to turn up, you know. <laughs> right. So uh, your your album, your last album, uh, this is what I see, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it just came out in 2020. Right? It did. Yeah. Right before all the, you know what, hit the fan. Yeah, that's wow. Yeah, I, I've I've listened to it, you know, multiple times. It's on my playlist on Spotify, and that it is really really good. Oh. Thanks, Jimmy. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, your songwriting ability is is amazing, and I I am always fascinated by guys who approach music as a song because you know I've been a musician you know my whole life, and you know I hate to say I'm I'm a hacker, and uh, I've always focused on just the guitar and not the song, and so when I sit down and I listen to stuff like like your stuff, you know I'm just really blown away by it because. You know, your advice that you gave earlier about paying attention to the song and, you know, staying focused on writing songs and stuff like that is, you know, uh, priceless information because, um, you know, I think it helps you once again to be that more well-rounded, more uh, mature player, you know, than, but your album's great, man. I mean. Oh, thanks, Jimmy. You know, I've always been fascinated by the, the production process as well as the songs. I just... I really, I really love dissecting records and figuring out what they're doing and trying to, trying to get that sound of my own stuff. There's, there's so much to draw from. Yeah. So you did know? you, did you release this? I mean, did you record this in your own studio? I did. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I've, I've done about 10 albums now. Um, and yeah, I do them all at home. Um, and I have guest players come in and play or send them files and, you know, we exchange files through the, uh, to a server, but uh, 
I do most of the stuff myself, but I, I do love having people play on it as well. Yeah. So, so you're playing the bass and the drums and yeah. Yeah. For the most part. A lot of hats to wear. It is, but again, you know, I'm a nerd. What can I say? I just, I, I, I love the process. You know, when, 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 when I'm in, in a good space, I just, I don't, I just do it. Just go and just do it. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's coming up next uh, for you, Bernie? I know right now, you know, things are, are kind of at a standstill when it comes to the music industry. And boy, it's, it's so sad to see so many people you know, sidelined in that, but, uh, yeah. but this is going to pass. And when it does, you know, what's, what's going to be next? Is there another tour for, uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, I, I, I'm hoping that, uh, Mike's going to want a tour next year. I know, I know he's going to do a Doobie brothers reunion tour, uh, cause they got inducted to the rock and roll hall of fame and they included Mike in on it. Right. So they they had a tour planned for this summer. So we were, we were going to be out of work anyway for a few months, uh, while he did that. So they postponed that till late. Like, I think it starts July next, some next year. So, you know, assuming like they're saying that a vaccine's going to come first of the year, uh, I think we'll go back to work, you know, with Mike. Um, that's really what I'm hoping happens because, uh, the band was really thriving when this all shut down. We really, the show is, I mean, I think the band is, I've been in the band so long and this is, I think this is the best version of the band he's ever had. He knows that. So, you know, keeping my fingers crossed that that's going to spark up again next year. In the meantime, I'm going to continue recording. I do sessions even remotely with people. I did one yesterday for songwriter John Vesner. Uh, he's married to Kathy Matea and, uh, wrote her biggest hit, uh, Where Have You Been? He's doing, he's doing a big, uh, he just wrote a song that's very pertinent to what's going on today. And, um, he had me play on it and then he had me sing on it. And now he wants me to be in the video. So, you know, there's stuff going on all the time, which is nice. It's great. Yeah. Love it. So do you, do you tour on your own? As a, as an artist of myself? No, I don't. It's, um, it's just too hard. If you, you, you don't, there's no money in it for one yeah. thing. It's it's just, and I hate to put it that way, but yeah. I mean, if I could do it, if I could pay everybody, I would definitely do it. And yeah. I've had a lot of people ask me, please, let's do some gigs, but it's just so darn expensive. That's yeah. just, you, you know, you'd lose your shirt, basically. You know, and, you know, people like Mike, as big as Mike is, he has a hard time, you know, staying in a budget and paying everybody and, you know, it's, it's hard. It's expensive to get out there and tour. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I have done some, I have done some, some opening things for Mike over the years. He's let me open for him now and then, which is wonderful. But, uh, as a, as a solo artist now, I don't, I don't really have any aspirations to do that. I'm, I'm happy just to do what I'm doing. Yeah. Now, do you give any, uh, type of, uh, lessons? Do you teach guitar? No, no. I mean, I've done that over the years. I, I'm not really good at it, honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm a better learner than I am a teacher. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I've never have. And you know, the, the problem I run into is I'm not a trained musician. I don't don't read music per se. I can read a chart, but you know, then I have to like write stuff out for people, and it's like, oh god, I, I can't. Even. Yeah. It's just too much too much for me to fathom at this point. Yeah. 
So now um, another question I, I meant to ask this earlier. Are you, uh, do you, are you his band leader as well as his guitar player? No, no, no. I, I, you know, there are times when I do sort of, uh, I don't want to say assume, but I'm not afraid to, to suggest things to Mike. If I hear something, I'll suggest him. And most of the time he's very uh, responsive to my ideas. Um, but no, I'm not, I'm not the musical director by any means. There's really no MD in the band. Okay. And, you know, that's the great thing about this band is everybody's got great ideas and we work really well together. And, uh, it, the, the ego thing is really non-existent in his band. It really is. Yeah, that's cool. He, he, I don't know Mike, but of course, but he always comes across like a rather, you know, personable down the earth type person. Well, he, that, that he is, he's a, he's a really, really good guy. Uh, he's loyal to a T and he's, he's just, uh, respectful of everybody. I mean, he's respectful of his band and his crew, even Lee and, Everybody stays in the same kind of rooms. We're on the road. Everybody's accommodations are the same. He doesn't rate people. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, he's, I think he underrates himself sometimes. Um, I mean, he, he's so, he's so uncelebrity and unstar like it's, it's funny sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but he's, yeah, he's, he's really a good guy. Really yeah. good guy. So are you guys writing any, uh, music together right now? Um, not really. Um, no, we haven't really written anything probably in a few years together. Uh, we keep talking about it. Yeah. Um, but we, we just, you know, now he was living in Nashville, uh, for a good long time from about 95. That's one of the reasons I came to Nashville because he moved here. He was here for probably a good 20 years. So we did a lot in that 20 years together, writing and producing and recording together. But since he moved back to California, I don't see him as much unless we're on the road. And when we're on the road, we're never really in the frame of mind to write much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we keep talking about it. And I, we share stuff with each other all the time through texts or emails. And here's a song I'm working on, Mike, what do you think? And he'll throw his two cents my way and vice versa. So, yeah, we, we stay in contact. A lot. So are you uh, writing a new album right now yourself? For next I year? am, actually. Um, I, I wasn't really expecting to to start writing a new album this soon. But when the, when the, when the COVID crisis hit, uh, like a lot of us, I think, you know, at first panic kind of sat in. Like, how am I going to get through this? What's, what's happening now? But after about a week, I sort of settled down and, started to get creative and I've actually written a lot of songs during these last few months of being, you know, sheltered. And, uh, yeah, I've got probably got 20 songs that I'm working on. I may, I may, I'm thinking, yeah, I may put out another album this year. Um, just because all the songs are so, uh, pertinent to what's going on, I think. And, uh, I did share one song that I wrote, uh, I just don't know. It's called, and, a lot of people responded really positively to it and said it really helped them. So that's nice to hear. So I, I think I may share this group of songs here in the next couple of months. Yeah. That's the one that you uh, filmed playing piano and you play drums and yeah, that's the one. yeah, I saw that. That was really nice. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Bernie, I, uh, 
I, I really appreciate you taking the time. You're extremely gracious, and uh, you're definitely somebody whose career I've, I've kind of followed, you know, over the years, and uh, this has uh, been a real treat to talk to somebody like yourself today. Well, it's a treat to talk to you, man. I, I appreciate your your enthusiasm and all this. It's 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 great to talk to people that really care about music and the arts. It's it's we need it. All right, so there you have it, Bernie Charavelli, the guitarist for Michael McDonald. Now make sure you're going to his website, BernieCharavelli.com. Uh, follow him on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all those other places. Make sure that you're checking out his music across all streaming uh, platforms and uh, get familiar with this guy because he's somebody you should definitely know. So I want to thank Bernie for coming on Guitar Talk. It was definitely uh, an honor to be able to spend a little bit of time with him. Just so you know, next Wednesday, we've got blues guitarist Sean Pittman. Uh, Texas blues guy, man. Whoo, this guy's smoking, you know, uh, really, really great talented blues guitarist in that. And we're really excited to have Sean, uh, on the show. Just so you know, in the, uh, coming days, you know, if you want to help support guitar talk, you can go to jimmywarnofficial.com and on the guitar talk tab, there's a place there where you can support the podcast on a monthly basis or you can do a one-time donation to help us to continue to bring this uh this great podcast to you with all these great artists takes a lot of time look at we don't do this for money we're not really in this to you know to make a profit or anything like that we're in this just for the sheer joy of it but you know if we can get a little help just uh you know help with the uh expenses that's really cool, and we really appreciate that. So we hope that you'll support us. Make sure you're following us on following me on Facebook at Jimmy Warren Radio or at Jimmy Warren. And if you haven't checked out my new band, I got a new band called Six Foot Apart. Yeah, ironic. Now our thing is, is that when we're on stage, we say we're six foot apart, and then we say, and literally, we're six foot apart <laughs> because a lot of the times we are. But anyway, you can go to sixfoot-apart.com, check out the new band. Just so you know, on uh, the 10th of October, uh, my band Six Foot Apart is going to be at the Indiana uh, Beach Resort Ballroom uh, for a big music bash that's going to take place. Uh, there's several bands playing. We kick uh, off at 7 p.m. That's in Monticello, Indiana. And then we're at the Fisher Theater in uh, Danville, Illinois, on October 24th. Uh, of course, they're observing the whole COVID restrictions. It's a 600-seat theater, but they can only have 50 people at a time in there. So there's two shows. Uh, the first show is going to be at 6 o'clock. Uh, the second one is at 8.30. So, uh, you know, get your tickets, go to FisherTheater.com or follow them on Facebook and get it or go to Six Foot Apart where you can get uh, tickets there as well. We want to thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you're going to the website, JimmyWarrenOfficial.com, so you can see everybody that's coming up. You can listen to past episodes. You can also get them at Spotify, Google, Apple, Anchor FM, Beaker, and just a crap load more. All right, so I want to thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we appreciate you supporting Guitar Talk. All right, have a great day.